Come on, welcome back to another episode of the wonderful Arsenio ZSL podcast. Man, I'm your host as always. I am back with the thunder. Today, we're going to be talking about voice lessons and visual impact. There are some write-ups. There are going to be some things that are said, whether it is politically or whatnot, that I'm going to be reading from this article. Again, I hopefully allow everyone to just come into this and have an open mind. I do not care about politics. You already know politics equals division. This is exactly what quote unquote, they want you to do to say that you're to this, you're to that, you're to this. I don't give a damn. Politics is the biggest losing game in the biggest, no one's going to win. Okay. No one is going to win when it comes to especially American politics. Just one side bitching at the other about why the goddamn country has gone to shit. Who cares? However, we are going to acknowledge some of the greatness that has come from different orators of the past times um, in American history and stuff like that. So with that being said, let me go in and start reading this. Is anybody listening? Long before it is born, a baby can recognize its mother's voice. And it is said that our sense of hearing is the last to fade before we die. As unique as our fingerprints, our voice is a key component of our personality. Indeed, the world's person, I'm sorry, the word personality itself comes from the Latin persona, which literally means through sound. But in our televisual age, we tend to shut out what we hear and be over-influenced by appearances. Maybe that's why in nearly 90% of U.S. presidential elections since 1900, the taller, usually better looking candidate has been the winner. The attention span of the average audience member is just 15 minutes. In the more self-disciplined and data-hungry cultures of Germany and Switzerland, it might be half an hour. But even the most attentive listener is distracted roughly every 12 seconds. How long can you go? Is there anything we could do to hold their attention? There is some evidence to suggest that a low voice is preferred in both men and women. Former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher famously hired a voice coach to lower her voice. And except in Japan, where higher female voices are preferred, it can be no coincidence that over the last 50 years, as women have risen to higher management positions in the workplace, their voices have measurably deepened. In the Netherlands, where women have achieved almost equal opportunity, especially so. An orator as president. The U.S. presidential elections, both 2008 and 2012, were classic cases of the triumph of the charismatic voice with Barack Obama putting the art of rhetoric into the spotlight. His catchphrase, yes, we can, has passed into American history, and he has already been described as the greatest orator of his generation. But New York professor Ekaterina Haskins has a theory about that. Quote, I've been going through his speeches textually, she says. The text alone cannot tell us why they are so powerful. It is about delivery. Philip Collins, who used to be Tony Blair's speechwriter, agrees. It's the way he slides down some words and hits others, the intonation, the emphasis, the pauses and silences, to become leader of the Western world. Obama's only visual aid was himself. The rest was his voice. 
That's article number one. And to be honest with you, if you look at the inauguration in early 2009 with Obama, unbelievable. You know, I mean, he is by far, like it says in this article, one of the best orators ever. Now, I don't know if it's orators or orators, but I'm pretty sure orator is ridiculous. But orators of our time. Obviously, I mean, if we go to Martin Luther King and the way he stretches the words, and I had a dream, and the way he goes all the way up and stretches a lot of the words out, single-handedly the greatest of all time. And hey, that's why voice is everything. Like I've been, uh, like I was preaching in the previous class, and going back to what Margaret Thatcher had done, she literally got a voice coach to make her voice deeper. Me, obviously, I don't really care if it's deep or not. But to be honest with you, to get a voice coach, hey, there it is. I would love to do voiceovers. To be honest with you, I would love to have my voice on a video game. I do believe that I am capable, especially of a shooting game, if I'm a leader or something like that, I could definitely play the role of that. And again, let's just see what happens. Of course, coming up real soon, you know, one of my wonderful, wonderful friends in Egypt, uh, Marwa has been doing a lot of voiceovers for Amazon, the company Amazon, and a few other things. And I just saw another YouTube video of this guy here in Thailand who was interviewed by the Tiger who he is literally a voiceover and makes like 3000 USD in just a, maybe 10 minutes. So it's pretty amazing to see the different things out there. And that's why I've been practicing my voice for such a long time. So that's the amazing part about it. So here we go. Let's go into visual impact. Enough with voice. Let's go into visual impact. Here we go. Truth, lies, and visual aids. It's the oldest cliche in communication training. 55% of the message is how you look. 38% is how you sound. And a mere 7% is what you say. But it's wrong. The original research on which this myth is based on was carried out at UC or yeah, at UCLA in the 1970s, involving just a handful of volunteers. The experiments actually focused on how people judge others' feelings and had nothing to do with creating impact in a talk. So if your suit, slides, and winning smile failed to impress, take it easy. All is not lost. What is true is that if your body language is saying one thing and your words are saying another, people will believe what they see. When we're nervous or ill-prepared, our body language tends to give it away. Powerpointless. Of course, good visual aids do powerfully reinforce your message. In fact, according to a study by 3M, audiences shown visuals are four times more likely to remember what you said and 43% more likely to be persuaded by it. But it depends what you show them. The typical list of bullet points, for example, can actually compete with you. At one stage, this became such a problem at Sun Microsystems that CEO Scott McNeely banned the use of PowerPoint. Images, on the other hand, are mentally processed 400,000 times faster than text and appeal to the opposite side of the brain, making them the perfect accompaniment to speech. What a beautiful thing that is, huh? Hmm. Now, let's go into this whole new image. No one knows this better than ex-Vice President Al Gore. Once the invisible man of American politics, after his presidential election defeat in 2000, Gore returned to his true passion and began an environmental lecture tour that literally took the world by storm. 
Ditch in PowerPoint and Apple Keynote, he created a set of dramatic visuals, video clips, and computer simulations that caused a sensation around the world. Speaking to a thousand different audiences and what Fast Company Magazine has called one of the most remarkable personal turnarounds of all time, Gore went on to become the champion of the Green Movement, the star of the Oscar-winning movie, An Inconvenient Truth, and winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. Didn't even know that. He readily admits that he owes it all to a slideshow. There it is. So that is a lot of things to consider in terms of voice lessons and visual impact. And to be honest with you, obviously with the amount of people who follow me on podcasts, who listen to my podcast, you probably understand and know, oh my God, you know, uh, you know, I love your voice. I love this. I love that. Even to the voice coach who I've spoken to for such a long time, she even says, oh my God, every time yeah, and she's the one that does work for Amazon. She's like, man, I love your voice so, so much. And it's something that I just routinely developed since doing podcast January 3rd, 2016. So I'm not telling you to do a podcast, but if you do want to improve your voice, your speaking capabilities, your confidence, your influence, you're going to have to start speaking somehow, some way, whether it's in English, your own language. But to be honest with you, most notably, a lot of my students right now, IELTS, TOEFL, they always falter and say, oh, I'm not that fluent. I'm not that fluent. Okay, well, what do you have to do? If you listen to my first podcast, go to my YouTube, Arsenio's ESL podcast and go all the way down. You probably will see that I was terrified. I was nervous. I would read out different things and now I just go with the flow. So with that being said, it's time to dive into some more in the next podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more over and out.